Something that I learned in therapy that I had no idea about previous to me starting my journey was the window of tolerance. And I feel like, like I use that every single day. I, I use it not only with my relationship with my spouse, I use it with my kid. I use it with work, um, you know, with dealing with, you know, other agents, clients, whatever. It really works well for every scenario um, in, in a way, for me, it was a way that I could sort of visualize my emotions. Can you explain a little bit what the window of tolerance is, why you use it and why it's so helpful? Yeah, absolutely. So the window of tolerance, you know, to put it in, you know, non-fancy layman's current generation slang is like vibe check, right? Like, <laughs> yeah. where are you at? You know, so if you're inside your window of tolerance, that means you're feeling calm, you're feeling regulated, you're feeling open to communication, um, open to whatever situations might present themselves. Hey y'all, Katie here with Mom Nation, and welcome to another episode of Our Love Story. We know being in a relationship is hard, so Diana Isel, Certified Couples Counselor, and I talk through different tips and tricks to help you navigate your relationship and get through everyday life. While you're here on your favorite podcast platform, please subscribe to our channel, or if you'd like to visit us on YouTube and watch the video, our handle is Mom Nation USA. We hope you enjoy the show. What's up, everybody? It is Katie and your very favorite couples counselor, Diana. We are back again for another episode of Q&A with a Couples Counselor, Our Love Story. And usually I start these shows out with just giving a little shout out to friends of mine, you know, around town here in the Arizona, Phoenix, Arizona area. And um, today, though, I'm like, hey, Diana, we need to showcase you, friend, because Diana is Absolutely amazing, as you know, because you've been following us for a while, and that's why you follow us, because of amazing Diana. But she has her very own practice here in the, is Gilbert, right? It's right on the border of Mesa and Gilbert. Awesome. So tell us just like a little bit about your practice, girl. Yeah, so I'm right off the border, like I said, Mesa and Gilbert. Um, I've got a suite here that has a therapy room. I also offer a meditation room too, which is really cool. Nice. So we can use that in sessions if a client prefers or intermittently, I will also have and host group meditation meetings. So people can come in and we can all just have like a group guided meditation, which is really nice too. Just something to give yourself a little getaway, give yourself a little self-care space to do that. Um, it's really calming. It's really nice. And it's something that you can do at home as well. So you can learn how to do those things here. And then you can take those skills home and do it there as well. Um, I also offer telehealth. So you can also do, you know, any sessions from the comfort of your home, which is really cool too, um, as long as you are in the state of Arizona, of course. Um, and then we have also in the meditation room, there are some things for your kiddos to kind of hang out with too. So if you've got some, some older kiddos, like seven, eight, nine, that, you know, they're out of school for the day or whatever, and telehealth doesn't work for you, bring them on in. I've got stuff for them to color with, and I've got poppets and all kinds of stuff for them to, to entertain themselves in there too. So I want to make, you know, having you taking care of your mental health a priority. And I try to make that as easy as possible for you. So I'm um, also very mindful of schedules, Kids are in sports. We've got so much going on as parents. So um, I also offer evening sessions and Saturday mornings too. Oh, that's awesome. And I want to point out, Diana's also a parent. So like she gets us. Yeah, I get which it. is why you have so many accommodations for parents. I love it. <laughs> I get it. I totally get it for sure. Oh, 
the love of our lives, but they certainly keep us busy, don't they? They do, yes. Awesome. Um, real quick, I always have it in the show notes, but great way to get in touch with you. Yeah, so dianaiseltherapy.com. Um, upper right-hand corner, you can schedule yourself a free 15-minute consultation to see if it feels like it's a good fit for you. Um, you can also find me on Instagram and Facebook, Therapy LLC. Awesome. I love it. So let's dive right in. We are not going to, we usually will take, as you know, we'll take an anonymous post from the group because there are a lot to choose from. And it seems like, you know, our mamas and, and, and this is probably true across the board through the entire world, I'm sure, um, you know, have a lot of questions in terms of how to navigate their relationship or they have things that keep coming up that they wish wouldn't come up. And so they're trying to, you know, find tools and find ways of, of coping and dealing with those things. Something that I learned in therapy that I had no idea about previous to me starting my journey was the window of tolerance. And I feel like, like I use that every single day. I, I use it not only with my relationship with my spouse, I use it with my kid. I use it with work, um, you know, with dealing with, you know, other agents, clients, whatever. It really works well for every scenario um, in, in a way, for me, it was a way that I could sort of visualize my emotions. Can you explain a little bit what the window of tolerance is, why you use it, and why it's so helpful? Yeah, absolutely. So the window of tolerance, you know, to put it in, you know, non-fancy layman's current generation slang is like vibe check right? Like, <laughs> yeah. where are you at? You know, so if you're inside your window of tolerance, that means you're feeling calm, you're feeling regulated, you're feeling open to communication, um, open to whatever situations might present themselves. When you are up outside of the window of tolerance, that's where you feel more of the the anxiousness, the, the elevated feeling anxious, feeling nervous, feeling fearful, those sorts of things. When you are outside that part of your window of tolerance, um, receiving communication can sound something like more, more anxious driven, so more paranoia or more, um, anger, more irritability, like those sorts of things. And you can find yourself outside of that window of tolerance for a variety of reasons. Like if you're just not feeling well, um, perhaps if you've had too much caffeine, that can set you outside of your window of tolerance. If you haven't eaten and your blood sugar is low, that can put you outside of your window of tolerance. Um, not sleeping well can put you out there. Um, feeling overstimulated, whether that be at work or at home, anytime that you're feeling overstimulated, that can put you on the upper part outside of your window of tolerance. Now that's the top part outside of your window of tolerance. There's also the bottom part. The bottom part is the depressed state of being outside of your window of tolerance. So that's where you might find yourself feeling sad or you might feeling you're be experiencing like binge eating or not eating very much at all, sleeping a lot, um, just feeling withdrawn, isolated, fatigued, all of those things that are kind of the hallmarks of feeling depressed, that's where you'll find yourself on that side of the window of tolerance. So whether you're outside up or outside down of that window of tolerance, communication, especially with your partner is very difficult because you're not really in a position to receive. If you're on the other end of that communication too, you're probably not in the best state to be giving that communication too, right? Because your intention in your communication might be different and your delivery will absolutely be different. So whether you're on the receive receiving end or on the communicating end of that window of tolerance, it's really important to make sure that like, am I inside right now? Is my delivery going to be regulated? Do I feel emotionally regulated? If not, I think I need to wait 
until I do. And is my partner also in a place? You know, if, you know, your spouse is, you know, running around chasing the kids and, you know, there's mess everywhere, like it's probably not the time to be like, hey, let's have a serious conversation about what my needs are in this relationship. You know, timing is everything. So if that person is not inside their window of tolerance, you're probably not going to get the response you need. And you might learn that, hey, maybe my needs aren't that important. When in reality, they are. It's just that person that's listening is outside of their window of tolerance. So that's just one way that you can gauge how the conversation starts is recognizing how you feel in that moment and being really tuned in and mindful of how your body feels to see if this is a good place for you to be and for your partner to be to start a communication about any topic in the relationship. I love that. And correct me if I'm wrong, um, but we're obviously human. So nature like plays a part in all of this. Right. And so when we are working in emotion, so we're outside either up or down, then logic really plays no part, right? Nope. So it's like one or the other. We're either working in logic or we're working in emotion, right? Right. So when you are emotionally reactive instead of responsive, reason and logic check out. They are no longer in the building. They're gone. So if you're going to communicate from a place where you want to be heard, being emotionally reactive the listener's not going to hear the reason and logic. They're going to hear the, blah, 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 blah. they're going to hear all of that that's coming from you. They're not actually going to get the valuable message that you're trying to communicate. Now, if you're using reason and logic from an emotionally regulated place, then your message is being heard. It is being received. So it does matter where you are in that window of tolerance. If you want an emotional reactive communication to happen, or if you actually want to see some sort of solution focused communication happening through reason and logic. Makes a lot of sense. And so you gave a couple of examples of what you might feel like if you're outside of the window, up or down. Um, But for those that are just getting used to this concept, what would be some triggers that they might look for to recognize, be like, okay, um, that I, I might be leaving or I'm totally gone from my window? Yeah, absolutely. Some of those symptoms and characteristics I was talking about earlier are some are pretty easy to recognize. Some aren't. But if you're finding yourself just feeling irritable, you're Mm -hmm. feeling just like not yourself, you're feeling kind of snippy, um, you're feeling at capacity, you're stressed. Those are all indicators that you are just outside your window of tolerance. Physically speaking, if you've got kind of that weird pit in your stomach, sometimes sometimes your hands will be sweaty, you'll feel hot, um, feel jittery. Yeah, you'll feel heartburn sometimes, like all of those things that are sort of, again, hallmarks of anxiety, you'll feel those things physically. And that's a pretty good indication you're not inside your window of tolerance. On the other end of it, if you're feeling socially withdrawn, not really interested in doing your usual activities today, not really interested in um, engaging with other people, doom scrolling on social media, um, becoming dissociated in some other way, whether it is on social media, TV, you know, things like that. Um, Wanting to sleep a little bit more than usual, eating when you're not hungry or binge eating. Those are all indicators that like, okay, I need to check in with myself here and try to figure out why I'm so far outside of my window of tolerance and how to get myself back in. Yeah, yeah, good advice. So when you are working with couples, like let's just say it's their first um, or you know one of their first meetings, do you introduce the window of tolerance pretty, pretty quickly? Yeah, usually pretty early on because nine times out of 10, 
some of the reasons that couples are here is because they're having trouble communicating and they can't figure out why. And it's usually it's usually pretty quickly we can figure out like why there's some reactivity happening there and why solutions aren't being found in their in their communication because one or both of them are pretty consistently outside of their window of tolerance when they're trying to communicate. So then we first thing we do is, you know, introduce that window of tolerance, but then break it down. Like, what is your intention? What are you trying to say here? Like, what is it that you're trying to communicate? Is it a need that you have? Is it an issue that you've seen come up? Like, what is it that you're trying to communicate? And then you break that down into your delivery. So that's a great time to use your I statements, right? Like, mm-hmm. I feel, I see, I want, I need. Anything that starts with I is much more likely to be received well by the other person because it's not, uh, it, it doesn't cause a defensive posturing for the other person, right? right? Like, if you go to your partner and you say, you start something with, you did it's like ding 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 like it's automatically it's on you guys are it's probably not going to be received well and that other person that's listening is probably just waiting from the sound from your mouth to stop before you open to whatever that communication is because you feel attacked it started with you right this isn't about my experience this is something that you are doing so using those i statements is really really important and something that we teach really early on so i feel i need i want whatever it is, the person on the other end of that is going to be again, more likely to hear what you're saying. And then they have the opportunity to uh, validate, to receive that message, to validate it, to provide some empathy, um, to give a regulated response, right? This is the part, the receiving part is the most critical part of lesson learning in couples. Every individual in a couple has the opportunity every single day to teach each other something. If I tell you something and the reaction I get is just explosive reactivity, well, I've learned that this is not an emotionally safe space and I'm probably going to keep things from you in the future. And I'm also probably going to walk on eggshells around you, which, as we all know, is extremely emotionally manipulative, right? It's because we're trying to get a certain response out of someone through our behavior over time that builds resentment, right? Because I'm not going to get my needs met because I feel like I can't talk to you without getting some sort of reactivity in response, right? So all that to say, I could also, you could also teach me something different. If I'm the person that's speaking to you and I hear back from you, from from my partner that like, hey, okay, I might not love that, but I hear what you're saying. I could see how you arrived at that. Let's try to figure that out. You have now taught me that this is a safe place. You have now taught me that my needs, my wants are important and that this is an emotionally safe space for me to share those things with you. We have the opportunity to teach each other something every single day in every way that we communicate. What did I learn today from my partner when I tried to communicate something with them that was important to me, was a need or a want that I had? What did I learn and how are those lessons going to create conflict resolution patterns or positive cycles of conflict in the future. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I love it. And something that you mentioned is sort of the second topic that I wanted to bring up and you've already kind of like said it and peppered it into uh, <laughs> the previous topic. So I love it. It's a great segue. Um, but another big thing that I learned that I use every day, um, not only again, not only with my spouse, but with my kid, with my parents, you know, like every day, um, is intent, deliver, receive. Did I say it right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So what, what, did, 
what are the basics of that? Yeah, intent is again, like, what do I want to say? What is it that I want my partner to hear? What do I want my partner to take away from what I'm about to say? It's the intention behind whatever it is that you're going to say. The delivery, again, is like the I statements. How do I deliver this message in a way that sounds calm and considerate, in a way that's going to be received well, because it's about my experience, right? Using those I statements about my experience. And the receive part is the opportunity to give that validation and the empathy, right? But you see how conflict can go so terribly wrong in communication when right. we go through those steps in outside of our window of tolerance, number one. And two, if our delivery doesn't exactly match our calm and considerate intent, what's being received is going to match that, right? Mm -hmm. It's like a really terrible game of telephone that you played when you were in elementary school, right? right? The message that started here and the message that got at the end are two different messages, not because it's going through multiple people, but because it's going through multiple filters. We all hear things through our own filters that we've had, that we've created throughout our lives, through various people, our parents, caregivers, all of those things. So we all have these innate filters that we, we bring everything through when we hear it. So the intention of what is being delivered may not always be what is received. So the person who's receiving it, if they didn't love what they heard, that's a really good opportunity to clarify and use reflective listening, right? Mm -hmm. Which is like, okay, so what I heard you say is blah, 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 blah. That gives the first person an opportunity to say, oh, no, 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 no. That's not what I'm saying at all. Let me rephrase that. Or yeah, that's basically the gist of what I was saying. By clarifying that, there leaves no room for misinterpretation. Everyone is on the same page about what the, what the message is. And it allows any space for that terrible game of telephone to get ironed out, so to speak. So if I hear something and it's completely off base, then, then the intent, I would want to ask myself, like, why is it that I heard that? Where have I heard that before? Mm. And usually it comes from parents, caregivers, our childhood, where we heard something, we attached a meaning to it. So now whenever we hear that thing, it takes us right back to that original meaning that we created, which may not have any base or any facts in the current relationship, but mm. we do that. It's unconscious. We do it all the time. But without that clarifying, that, that reflection part of that, that process of intent, delivery, and receive, if you don't have that reflective listening, people might walk away from that conversation thinking that they have the right message mm -hmm. when they actually don't. So for example, if one partner says, you know, I, I really want to talk to you because I feel like, you know, our, our intimacy isn't as frequent as I would like it to be. Mm -hmm. While that might be a really great delivery because that person is talking about their own experiences, the person on the receiving end might hear, okay, so what I'm hearing is that I just don't take care of your needs enough. Mm -hmm. That's not what was said, but that's what was heard, right? right? So that person is already out of their window of tolerance if that's the response, right? So the way the rest of this conversation goes really depends on two things. One, the listener's ability to, to get themselves back into a window of tolerance or ask for space. Like, 
that just, it, that was a little bit of a trigger for me. I feel like this is an important conversation. I want you to know that your needs are important, but I, I can't continue with this conversation right now. I'm going to have to come back in an hour and we'll try this again. Right. Mm -hmm. And then that's up to the speaker to allow that space. So that could be one way. The other way is the speaker can have that space to clarify. Absolutely not. That's not what I'm saying. This is something that we have together. Intimacy is something that's 50 50. It's, it's both of us here that are contributing to it. I just want to share how I feel about it. Right. Mm -hmm. Usually that will bring down the listeners. You know, it'll, it'll bump them back into the window of tolerance a lot of times. Um, but sometimes it doesn't. And then taking the space for that is totally fine. But the point is, as you can see, how someone having a need, expressing a need in their relationship can be heard completely out of context by the other person based on the filter that they heard it through. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Makes a lot of sense. And I, I appreciate that you shared um, several times about taking space. I didn't do that previously until I learned that that's okay. Not every conversation has to continue right then. Not every conversation has to be had right then. And it makes a world of difference if you are in the right space when you're having that conversation, the both, the, both of you are in the right space when you're having that conversation. So totally agree. I think that is amazing advice. Again, something that I use every day and not just in my marriage. I mean, it's in, you know, a variety of other relationships too. So thank you for sharing that. Is there anything else about either of those topics that you want to share that you think is important for our listeners? You know, the only thing I would say it's also important not only to use in your relationships, like romantic relationships, but also your friendships too. Yeah. You know, how many times where you're texting or messaging and you're like, you, I don't like what they just said. That doesn't feel nice. And how many times have you just been like, well, I'm just not going to talk to them for a couple days. Yeah. because I'm pissed and I'm going to see if they notice, right? Very passive aggressive, right? But every single person listening to this has done that before. Yeah. Yeah. Everyone has done it, right? But what if you took your space, you came back into your window of tolerance, and then you said, hey, I, I, I'm not sure if this is the way that it was intended, but this is what I heard. And giving that person the opportunity to clarify what their intention was, and that can be squashed pretty quick. So how many friendships get experience rifts or you don't talk for several days or weeks or months or even years based on a miscommunication that nobody wanted to take a step back and clarify what was actually heard versus what was actually delivered. So if you're listening and you you're thinking that this resonates with you, you've got a friend you haven't talked to in a while because of a miscommunication, like reach out and just say, hey, this is what I heard. This is what I perceived. And I'm not sure if that was the intention, but I just want to clear the air here and allow us both an opportunity to say our piece and provide some validation there. Right. And I'm really hoping that it has a positive outcome for you too. Yeah, totally agree. And, and I'm with you there. I don't think enough people do that. Um, I have seen it's, and it's sad because it can be, you know, really long relationships that end uh, friendships, yeah. you know, that end because of just one little silly thing where there was a miscommunication or intent, dis deliver, receive is, is off. Um, yeah. So I think that is super important. And in fact, I love that you said that because we have some posts floating around in Mom Nation AZ right now that specifically talk about that. <laughs> so thank yeah. you. Yeah. 
Absolutely. Awesome. All right, guys. Well, you heard a little bit about Diana in the beginning. I'm not going to ask her to repeat that, but you can get in touch with her. Her link is in the show notes here. If you hop on over to her website, top right-hand corner, you will be able to schedule yourself with a 15-minute free consultation and take that opportunity, guys, because she is absolutely amazing. If you want to listen to any of our previous episodes, we've been doing this for a while now, Diana. It's like coming up on a year and a half. It's pretty awesome. So we have a lot of really great information. She has a lot of tips and tricks and and different things, uh, advice that she has shared over the last year and a half. Hop on over to our YouTube channel. It is at MomNationAZ. Scroll down just a little bit until you see the Our Love Story Q&A with a couple's counselor, and then you can access all of our previous shows. If you are more of the audio version, maybe you run a lot, bike a lot, walk a lot, then you can hop on over to our favorite or to your favorite podcast platform or our favorite too, and do mm-hmm. a quick search for Mom Nation Talk Radio. That way you will be notified anytime we have a new show. All right, girlfriend. Well, it was good talking to you. Likewise. Thank you. Bye. Bye.